Well, God bless you. Um, we are so grateful to be able to be before you again this uh, Sunday. I want to prepare your hearts. There's, there's, there's a place that the Holy Spirit is trying to take us uh, by the end of this month. And so I'm asking you that you would uh, make sure that you join us, uh, that God is leading us to a better place. Uh, feel free to invite people uh, to our service so that they can hear the word of the Lord, because I believe the Lord has a word for us for such a time as this. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then Sun came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Last week, we spoke on your undivided attention, please. This morning or this afternoon now, we're speaking on the subject, set your dial, set your dial. Father, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. For the word says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that the word of God is quick and powerful, alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joint and marrow, and the word discerns the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. So Holy Spirit, you speak to our hearts in Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, we wanna first of all start out with our question for those who are 17 years old and under. Again, the first two who answer this question and email the answer on to the email address below, you will be receiving a Dunkin' Donuts uh, gift card. So here's a question. Based on what I said last week, what does the name Jehoshaphat mean in Hebrew? Jehoshaphat is a Hebrew name. What does it mean? Send the answer in, and we'll make sure that this week we will be sending you or mailing you a gift card. We defined the word justice, the etymology of the word justice means the quality of being fair or conformity to the truth. Again, justice, the etymology of the word justice means the quality of being fair or equal or conformity to the truth. And the, the Hebrew word for justice is the word rectitude, and it means to lead with what is right, to lead with what is right, to lead with what is right. And so the point I'm making is that God is always going to do what's right, even if what he does is not fair. Again, God is always gonna do what's right. See, the Bible says in uh, Psalm 33, verse four, the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. Now, again, the word of the Lord is right, 
and all his works are done in truth. So again, we said that justice is conformity to the truth. Well, whatever God does, he's going to conform it to the truth. John chapter 17, verse 17, Jesus says, sanctify them by thy truth, thy word is truth. God will always, justice is when God does things that conform to his word. Again, Jesus claimed in John chapter 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Again, God is not conforming things to your fairness. God is not conforming things to what I think is fair or equal. He conforms everything to his Son, Jesus Christ, which is the truth. If you understand what I'm saying, say amen or give a thumbs up. Now, so the question we asked last week is, where has my heart been divided? Where has my heart been divided? And we got that from uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 19, the, the, in other words, the, the previous uh, chapter in verse 9, where God, through Jehoshaphat, instructs the judges that you must judge with an undivided heart. Judge with an undivided heart. And so we see here that in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 now, the next chapter, verse 3, the Bible says that when Jehoshaphat heard the news, he, it says he feared. So we, we see Jehoshaphat's heart is divided. What do you mean is divided? His heart is divided between having faith, but now having fear. Having faith and having fear. And so many times we, we, we come to God with a, with a heart that is full of fear or doubt and full, or full of, uh, full, you can't have full of faith and full of thought, but half faith and half fear. And James was clear in James chapter 1, around the sixth verse, where he says, he says, a double-minded person is unstable in all his ways, and let not that person think that they're going to receive anything from God. And so when Josh Hoshaphat realized that because of the overwhelming uh, uh, attack of the enemy that was coming against him, he, he had, and, and, and causing a deluge of fear and anxiety to, to overwhelm him, uh, the Bible says that he set himself to seek the Lord. He set himself to seek the Lord. Now, as you saw the opening image about set your dial, you, you will notice that I had a picture of a thermostat. That is, uh, and that is what thermostats used to look like until they became uh, digital. And what would happen is that you would or uh, a person would come in and they would set the dial to 70 because they want the room temperature or wherever, whatever environment they're in, they want that environment to reflect the temperature on the dial. And so once the dial is set, no matter what's going on on the outside of that space, inside of that space must conform to the 
uh, temperature of 70. You may walk into the room and it may be, it may be, say that it's winter and the room is saying like 60 degrees and your home is cold, but the thermostat changes the temperature. And that's why many times I'll say to you as believers, we need to be thermostats, meaning we change the temperature as opposed to uh, thermometers, meaning that we reflect the temperature. We reflect the atmosphere. If you understand what I'm saying, just put your thumbs up and say amen. So many times, you know, if, if there's anger and frustration in the atmosphere, God does not want us to go into that atmosphere and reflect the temperature of the atmosphere. We are to be God's thermostats. Now, let's keep going. And so uh, what would happen many times, and it even happened in our church, is that, is that people would come in and they would, they would not like where the temperature or the thermostat is set. And so what they would do is that they would tamper with the thermostat and say, you know, I'm going to turn it up to 75 degrees because I like it hot, or I'm going to turn it down to, say, 68 degrees because I like it cooler. And so what would happen many times is that the person who is in charge of the thermostat had got frustrated with people putting their hands on the thermostat, Lord have mercy, and so what they would do is that they would buy a lockbox to put around the thermostat. And so you now have the picture of a digital uh, thermostat and people will put a lock box around it. Uh, and why? Because they want to make sure that nobody messes with the thermostat. Many of you may have one in your home. Many of you, if you go into a more public place like a hotel room, you'll see a lock around it, meaning do, I, we don't, the only person, mm, the only person who can mess with the thermostat, the only person who can mess with the dial is the person who has authority. Oh my, oh my. And so I believe the Lord is saying that the only one who should be messing with the dial of our hearts is the Spirit of God. And, and, and we are the ones, by the leading of the Spirit, who need to set the dial of our heart and not allow outside forces or outside people to mess with the dial of our hearts. And so you have uh, Jehoshaphat who is overwhelmed with fear, overwhelmed with, with, the, with the challenges that are, that are facing him. And he realized that he was walking in faith, but the enemy, the, uh, the hand of the enemy came and started slowly changing the dial of his heart towards fear and anxiety. So what, did, what was Jehoshaphat's response? He said, look, folks, we are going to set ourselves through prayer and fasting, what? To seek the Lord, to seek the Lord. And once he set his heart to seek the Lord, you can read verse 20 uh, of chapter 20, he goes from fear to telling people, believe in the Lord your God and you will be established, you will be set. Believe in his, pro his prophet and you will be successful. He moved from fear to faith 
because he learned to set his dial, set his heart to seek the Lord. And I am, I am challenging us that we, as the people of God, that we're listening to too many influences that, that uh, see, the Bible says that in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. But guess what? Fear comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. Some of you are watching too much news. And, it, and, it, and it's filling your heart with fear to the point that your fears are now trumping the word of the Lord. But I'm here to encourage you that this is a season God wants us to set our hearts. Now, one of the reasons why he wants to set our hearts is because we don't understand many times what's in our heart. So, for example, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1 to 3, and I'm going to read actually verses 2 and 3, but I want, to, I want to pause here because you need to understand, I need to understand that the, the, the primary, the primary uh, flaw in our hearts is that our hearts are always, did you hear me say, always going to deceive us, always. Always, our hearts are going to deceive us, and our hearts are desperately wicked, are desperately flawed. This is um, uh, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 and 10. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Do not trust your heart. That's why many of us have gotten ourselves in trouble. Did I say us? Yeah. Many of us have gotten ourselves in trouble. Why? Because we, we, we think our hearts are right, and our hearts are not right. How many times some of you have judged people and then you said, oh, I thought. Yeah, you thought because you were deceived. So the first thing that what will help us is if we come to the presence of God saying, God, I know the, the main flaw in my heart is to be deceived, so I'm automatically going to assume that I have been deceived, and that's why I humble myself before the spirit of truth who will guide me into the truth. If you understand what I'm saying, say amen. And so, because our hearts are deceitful, verse 10, the Lord says, but I am the Lord who will, who tests, who tests the heart. He, he tests the kidney, so to speak. That's what it means. He, he, he tests us. And what, how does he test us? Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. The Lord says through Moses, and you shall remember that the Lord, your God, led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness, the wilderness, to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. In other words, God put you in the wilderness, wild earnest. Wild means out of control. Er, E-R, means more out of control, and nest means a position of being more out of control. And so what's happening now, I believe that God is using this pandemic, both the coronavirus pandemic and the racial uh, pandemic, to test 
what's in our heart. He, things I have never experienced a season in my adult life where things are so under, out of control. Uh, people are looking like, well, Bishop, what are we going to do next? I have no idea, and it's causing me to, to humble myself, oh my Lord, humble myself before the Lord. That word humble in the Hebrew means to browbeat, to browbeat, to browbeat, meaning that God is saying you need to stop trusting in your mind and your thinking and trust in me because there is a way that seems right to man, but the end of that way is death. And so many of you are too smart for your own good. That's a bad word right there. I'll preach the flowers. I'll preach to myself that too many of you, you're too smart for your own good. And you don't, you haven't learned to inquire of the Lord, inquire of the Lord. David was a man after God's own heart. Why? Because he inquired of the Lord. Read 2 Samuel chapter 5. Read that chapter where, where, where David is constantly saying, should I go up? Should I not go up? God said, go up sometimes. God said, don't go up. God said, hey, wait for the signal and you're going to see, you you're going to sense the breeze, the wind moving through the mulberry trees, and then you should go. Too many of you are making decisions based on observation, based on explanation, but not based on revelation. And sometimes you have to wait on the Lord for his revelation, because he will speak if you would humble yourself. So what God does, he puts us in situations that are out of our control, to show us what's in our hearts. Because we're so deceived, we really don't know what's in our hearts. Some of you think you were really nice uh, uh, people who, who are sharing, I'm generous. And then God said, yeah, you're not as generous as you think you are. No, I'm really generous. And then you got married. <laughs> then you got married. And now you're in the bed and you're pulling over the sheets over you and, and, you, and you're, you know, you're saying to your wife, hey, 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 I want more. No. No, I want more of the bed. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Come on, you married couples. We, you, you find out that you're not as generous as you are, as you thought you are when you got married. And Lord have mercy, don't get children. I was going to buy this car, but the Lord told me to send my child to such and such a school. I always say to my daughters, oh, you, you, you see the extension that's supposed to be on our home? It went to... Wheelock, and it went to Simmons. <laughs> and my point is, is that we, we, we find out how generous we are. We find out who we really are when God puts us in situations that are out of, out of our control. And right now, oh, God is, God is using this coronavirus pandemic, this racial virus pandemic to, to show the church. I didn't say sinners the church, what's in our hearts. And I am, I, I, in some ways, I'm appalled at some of the behavior of the body of Christ. But you know what? God is using it to test what's in our heart. Verse 3, he says, so the Lord humbled you. He browbeat you. Every time you think you have an idea, it's not working. To to allow you to hunger that he might make you know. See, he already knows, but he's trying to make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I, I've seen the church has been so rebellious during this, not, not the church, but I've seen churches so rebellious during this coronavirus pandemic. The, the government says, hey, uh, uh, 
remain six feet apart, uh, not to have your building filled with a lot of people. And churches, spirit-filled churches, are basically using, using the word in, in such a twisted way to say, hey, this is freedom of religion, and we can do whatever we want. And in the meantime, they're putting other people in danger. That's selfish. Again, hot selfish. And you can dress it up. See, it, it's easy to dress up sin. It's easy to dress up disobedience, like Saul did when he said, well, I saved these sheep because God, I wanted to give the best offerings from God. No, no, you weren't. God has the ability to discern your heart. And I'm asking you at this moment, please, humble yourself and say, God, are there any unclean ways, as David said in Psalm 51, in my heart? 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 4 Paul says, therefore, I exhort, first of all, I exhort, first of all, that supplication, prayer, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, first, empress, and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. Paul goes on to say, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, that we what? We pray and we give intercession, and we give supplication, we give thanksgiving for our leaders. This is what Paul says, this is good in the sight of God. Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth, which is John 14, verse 6, Jesus Christ. Now, what, why am I saying that? Because uh, Paul, when he says this, when he writes this to Timothy, uh, the, the leader, the ruler, during this time was Nero. Nero was the Caesar of that time. So Paul is telling Timothy, we should pray for Nero. Yeah, Nero. Fast forward, Nero ended up beheading Paul and crucifying the Apostle Peter upside down. That, that, that's the guy who Paul, while he was alive, said, pray for. Oh my. We've been having midnight prayer, morning prayer, midnight prayer, and justice prayer. And it's been powerful. And I'm encouraging you, if you really want to set your heart to seeking God, get involved in one of those prayer times. Morning prayer, midnight prayer, or justice prayer. I've discovered that God has been dealing with people's hearts. I'm amazed that two people on a call, they confessed uh, separate time, and these are people who I respect their, their prayer lives, I respect their walk with God, and they said, they both confessed how much they really hated Donald Trump, and God had to convict them to pray for our president. And that, and, and that was a struggle. And I say that because um, I, when, Barack Obama, when Barack Obama was elected president, Christian, at least one Christian that I heard of, literally said, I hope he gets assassinated. Christians. 
There are Christians who are saying, I hope someone puts a bullet in Donald Trump's head. Now, now you may say, well, well, look what I did. And, and, and again, we, we have to conform to the word. And God says, we're supposed to pray for our leaders. It infuriated me, and, and, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, it infuriated me, and I'll talk about me, uh, that, 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 and don't pinpoint me, so I'm going to tell you, I, know, I really tell people who I voted for, but I have voted for Republican and Democrat. So I remember voting for George Bush, the second George Bush, and, and I remember people saying, pray for George Bush, pray for George Bush, and I would pray for him. And then when Barack Obama got elected president, uh, no, all of a sudden, those people who were saying, pray for George Bush, went silent, cricket, for Barack Obama. And I, it got me so angry. But God was saying to me, see where people's hearts are? See where people's hearts are? See where people's hearts are? I believe that God is using the presidency over the last 12 years to show the church, to show us, the church, where people's hearts really are. And there's some evilness in people's hearts that, that is just stunning us. And God is saying, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to bring it to me? Oh, it's quiet in this place. All the great ones in the Bible, Daniel, Nehemiah, Jehoshaphat, they all learned the art of setting themselves to seek the Lord. Let me read a couple of scriptures and then we'll pray. David was a man after God's own heart. In Psalm 57, verse 7, he says, My heart is fixed, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give you praise. In Psalm 108, verse 1, David says, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. In Psalm 112, verse 7, He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. And so here's the question I want to ask you as we go into prayer. Ask yourself this question. Where have I learned, what have I learned about my heart during these last, I guess, four months? March, April, May, June. Yeah, these four months of the pandemic. What, what have I learned about my heart? Let me, let me help you out here. What word would I use right now to describe my heart's settings? As I indicated, and I forgot to indicate it that in my notes, but many of us have this sign on our cell phones that says settings. And the last thing we want is people to mess with the settings on our cell phone. You now we have a certain font we have, you know, a certain ringtone. And you know how that, that, uh, that sign, that emoji, that looks like image on a cell phone. And we don't want people messing with the settings. And so the question is, what's the setting of our hearts? Let me give you some suggestions. Is, is our heart set on fear? Is our heart fearful? Is your heart angry? Is your heart worried? Is your heart anxious? Is your heart frustrated? Is your heart hopeful? Is there another word that you would use 
to describe your heart. Write on the chat line right now. But before you write, say, Holy Spirit, show me where, where, what dial is my heart set on right now, Holy Spirit. I want to give you three or four minutes just to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. He's the only one who can show us what's really in our hearts. He'll reveal where we've been fearful and full of anxiety during this season. Maybe some of you didn't even realize how angry you were until God put you in this wilderness. Holy Spirit, I'm asking right now to remove the lies that we've been lied on. We've been lied on. We've been lying to ourselves. I'm not angry. I'm not prejudiced. I'm not racist. I'm not rebellious. But you're showing us right now, Holy Spirit. We cannot set our hearts on you until we truly know where our hearts are set. Show us where our hearts are, Holy Spirit. The Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10, that the devil is a liar. And he has lied to us about where our hearts are. And he has given us excuses to support that we have a right to have our hearts where they are, whether it's be worried or anxiety or frustration or anger or disappointment. Father, show us, show me, where is the heart of Pentecostal Tabernacle and all this? Because Lord, your word says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 to 9, people look on the outside, but you're looking at the heart. You're looking at the attitude. Where's our attitude? Where's our attitude towards our president? Where's our attitude towards Joe Biden, who's his opponent? Where's our attitude towards, oh, Holy Spirit, where's our attitude towards the police? But you don't understand, no, 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 no. Where's our attitude? And, 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 and where would God, the Holy Spirit, want to set my attitude towards people? That's why, Lord, we need to set ourselves to seek you because only you can take your hand and set the dial of our hearts on the one thing that matters to you according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The greatest of these is love. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm inviting you to allow the Holy Spirit who is speaking to your heart to set your heart, to set the dial of your heart first and foremost on Jesus. Jesus said, 
in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man has access to God the Father except through me. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you may have sh shaken the pastor's hand, you may have gotten water baptized, you may have gotten baptized as a child, you may have been christened and offered unto God as a baby, but that does not mean you are a believer. It does not mean that you belong to Jesus. You belong to Jesus when you voluntarily ask Jesus, first of all, to admit to Jesus, I am a sinner. God, I'm a sinner. I'm not, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a believer. I'm a sinner. But the Bible says, Who are, and, and, and that God, Jesus, you died for me on the cross, thorns on your head, spear in your side, nails in your hand, nails in your feet. You were beaten, whipped numerous times on your back. You were a bloody mess. Why? Because without the shedding of blood, there can be no removal of sin. Hebrews chapter 9, 22, I believe. So, Father, I come to you, Jesus. I'm asking you to save me from my sin and make me a child of God. And the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, I believe it's Romans chapter 10, you'll be saved. So if you ask Jesus to come into your life, he will do that. And if you ask the Lord to come into your life, please email us at the email below so that we can send you materials, so that we can pray for you, that your walk with God will be the way he wants it to be. Well, God bless you. And at this time, I want to just close this moment blessing you. Everybody wants to be blessed. It's amazing. I was in a meeting with a bunch of folks who were not believers, and even they were like, before this meeting is over, could you please bless us? It's amazing how people, especially in this season, want to be blessed. So Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 to 26, put your hands out. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May he look after you, shield you, defend you, and take care of you, especially during this season. May the Lord make his face shine, grand beam, and show his pleasure on you. May the Lord be gracious, kind-hearted, pleasant, and compassionate to you. May the Lord, Lord knows, show you his favor. That will promote you. It's amazing how many people are being promoted during this season appreciate you, support you, side with you as you side with him. And finally, may the Lord give you his shalom, that is his peace, his rest, his harmony, his calmness, his composure, his prosperity, his success. And may the Lord remove anything that causes agitation or discord in your heart with his divine purpose and destiny for your life. I bless you in the name, the reputation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And everybody say, I receive that blessing. Thank you for joining us. We hope that this service was a blessing. We want you to know that we are here for you. If you desire for us to pray with you, please call 617-863-2273, or you can submit a written prayer request by visiting ptspice.org forward slash prayer. A member of our prayer team will gladly contact you. Have a blessed day.